This is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned in to Biofuels Daily. It is Thursday, November 13th. Just like an Erlenmeyer flask shaken in a 33 Celsius incubator, today's stories are going to leave you well-mixed and well-informed. Now, the first story I'm going to be covering today comes out of Washington, D.C. Wednesday, the National Biodiesel Board, also known as the NBB, released a new report written by John Urbanchuk titled The Importance of the Biodiesel Tax Credit, which shows how the emerging biodiesel industry relies on the combined values of the tax credit and renewable fuel standard or RFS credits to compete with petroleum diesel in the current market. Kurt Koverick, the NBB's Vice President of Federal Affairs, said yesterday that the biodiesel industry's growth has been steady and sustainable over the past 15 years with support from the biodiesel tax incentive and the RFS. The industry supports more than 65,000 jobs across the United States and $17 billion in economic activity, but at the moment, the RFS and the value of RINs is being undermined by waivers and flatlined volumes. On top of that, the nearly two-year lapse of the tax credit is compounding economic uncertainty for U.S. producers, endangering jobs and economic opportunities in many states. Kurt Koverick also went on to say that, Nine biodiesel plants have already slashed production or closed up, laying off workers in Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Mississippi, and Pennsylvania. Dozens more could be forced to do the same in the next few months due to the instability in federal policy. Congress needs to act now to restore the biodiesel tax incentive and help the industry reopen plants and rehire workers. The report went on to say that the current uncertainty surrounding reinstatement and retroactivity of the tax credit is a significant disincentive for the U.S. biodiesel industry and has constrained industry expansion. Absence of a tax credit and uncertainty is one major reason the industry is operating at only 70% of industry production capacity. The uncertainty is forcing some producers to shut down production. Urban Chuck's report goes on to examine relative prices and values for biodiesel also known as B100, and petroleum-based ultra-low sulfur diesel, also known as ULSD, from 2016 to the first quarter of 2019. Biodiesel and ULSD compete for market share within the same applications, the report explains. While biodiesel is higher priced compared to ULSD, it is profitable on average to produce because its value in meeting the RFS standards helps recruit its production cost. According to Urbanchuk, Over the past several years, while petroleum diesel prices increased, biomass biodiesel prices have actually declined. Higher capacity utilization rates and economies of scale are a few of the factors needed to reduce biodiesel production costs and achieve direct competitiveness. The report's data demonstrates that, with relatively low petroleum diesel prices in 2016 and 2017, the biodiesel tax incentive helped biodiesel compete in the market, which in turn allowed biodiesel producers to expand market share. As ULSD prices rose in 2018, biodiesel's reduced production costs and RFS renewable identification number or RIN values allowed it to directly compete. That encouraged the continued expansion of domestic U.S. biodiesel production as the market anticipated a renewal of the tax incentive. In early 2019, however, falling oil prices and RIN values undercut the profitability of biodiesel. Urban Chuck went on to write that the issue for biodiesel producers is that the prices that determine ultimate profitability, such as feedstocks and a competitive environment in the fuel market,
such as B100, ULSD, and RINs are largely unpredictable. Absence of and uncertainty regarding extension of the biodiesel tax credit significantly increases the risk biodiesel producers face. According to the report, the tax credit helps the typical biodiesel producer make up the remaining difference between the market price of B100 and ULSD. Blenders who market diesel fuel blends share the tax credit's value and risk of policy changes with biodiesel producers. According to the report, unfortunately, the biodiesel tax credit expired at the end of 2017. This situation forces a biodiesel blender to reduce the transition price of B100, which is the price actually paid by the refiner, in order to remain competitive. Blenders have substantial market leverage to pass some or all of this discount back to the biodiesel producer who has to take the transaction price into account when calculating his break-even and shutdown point. For those of you unfamiliar with what biodiesel actually is, biodiesel is a renewable, clean, burning diesel replacement that can be used in existing diesel engines without modification and can be made from a diverse mix of feedstocks such as soybean oil, animal fats, and recycled cooking oil. Biodiesel is the nation's first domestically produced, commercially available advanced biofuel. The NBB is the U.S. Trade Association representing the entire biodiesel value chain, including feedstock suppliers, producers, fuel distributors, as well as the renewable diesel industry. Um, make sure to send me your thoughts on what you think about the uncertainty um, regarding the biodiesel tax credit. I know it's a big issue in the industry, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So. Uh, please send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com and uh, I'll be sure to get to all the emails. The second story of the day I have comes out of Inglewood, Colorado and has to do with a biofuels company called Jivo. According to Jivo's website, they are a next generation low carbon fuel company that is focused on the development and commercialization of renewable alternatives to petroleum based products. Jiva reported their third quarter 2019 financial results during a conference call yesterday, and the following information covers their recent corporate highlights. Jivo now has approximately 6 to 7 million gallons per year of offtake under contract out of its planned minimum-sized 10 million gallon per year hydrocarbon plant, which is up from approximately 5 million gallons per year. On November 5, 2019, Jivo announced it signed a development agreement with Block Size Capital, a leading distributed ledger technology company based in Germany. Originally developed as an underlying branch of the blockchain technology, Distributed Ledger Technology, or DLT, is an immutable tool that allows tracking of data with a product and the transactions associated with the product. Jivo and BlockSize discovered that it is possible to attach the key metrics for sustainability to gallons of fuel and therefore enable a sustainability assurance that has not yet been seen. The data associated with certain key metrics for measuring sustainability are suitable for being digitized through blockchain and could lead to tokenization of those attributes. On November 4, 2019, Jivo also announced that it made the winning bid in a competitive process conducted by the City of Seattle to provide renewable gasoline to its fleet vehicles. Jivo has been awarded a four-year contract with three two-year extensions to supply at minimum 200,000 gallons per year of renewable isobutanol and 600,000 gallons per year of renewable isooctane to the city of Seattle to displace fossil-based gasoline. On September 16, 2019, Jivo announced that it had secured the supply of 5 megawatts of fully renewable electricity to power its advanced biofuels production facility located in Laverne, Minnesota. From an affiliate of Jewel Energy, the electricity generated from the wind will be wired directly to the Laverne facility, enabling Jivo to claim the renewable benefit of a lower carbon intensity score under the low carbon fuel standard. 
Jivo expects this new source of wind-powered electricity to commence in the first quarter of 2020. On September 10, 2019, Jivo announced the signing of a joint development agreement with Leaf Resources. Leaf is a Queensland, Australia-based company and one of the world's leading companies in converting plant biomass into industrial sugars. The joint development agreement is to explore the potential use of cellulosic-derived sugars and glycerol from LEAF and the ability to convert these hydrocarbons molecules as useful fuels or chemicals. On September 4, 2019, Jivo announced that it had developed proprietary breakthrough processes that convert either low-carbon isobutanol or low-value fusel oils, a mixture of alcohols that are byproducts from fermentation processes such as alcohol production into renewable diesel. This renewable diesel is expected to compete head-to-head -head on price with natural and petroleum-based equivalents while reducing particulates and CO2 emissions. On September 3, 2019, Jivo also announced that it supplied sustainable aviation fuel, also known as SAF, to support an AVFUEL, an AVFUEL Corporation demonstration event to raise awareness on the viability and safety of SAF. Over two days of demonstrations, AVFUEL supplied 73 gallons of ASTM D1655 standard SAF to fixed-base operator Jackson Hole Aviation for operators flying to and from the airfield during the demonstration days. Now, 2019 third quarter financial highlights for Jivo are that Jivo is ending the quarter with cash and equivalents of $20.9 million, revenue of $6.1 million for the quarter, loss of operations of $8 million for the quarter, and net loss per share of 60 seat of 66 cents on the dollar for the quarter. Commenting on the third quarter of 2019 and recent corporate events, Dr. Patrick R. Gruber, Jivo's chief executive officer said, we have continued to make progress on our plans. We have over 60 million gallons per year of jet fuel and iso octane in contract negotiation and well over 120 million gallons per year in total under discussion. We only need to secure 5 million gallons per year more to achieve our threshold offtake of 10 million gallons per year, which should allow us to be able to build a larger plant with acceptable economies of scale. Dr. Gruber continued, We expect to refinance our secured promissory note in the fourth quarter of 2019 or in early 2020. We are receiving a lot of interest from project financiers, both for the build-out of our Laverne facility and our biogas business. We have received term sheets from project equity funds and strategic investors and are evaluating the options and negotiating terms. We have a number of the pieces we need on the table and we need to put them together. Jivo's current path of profitability and growth is that it believes it can become profitable as a company by the end of 2021. If Jivo can successfully improve the carbon footprint of its Laverne facility by implementing certain wind and renewable natural gas projects to offset the fossil-based electricity and natural gas that currently powers the Laverne facility, the lower carbon footprint would allow Jivo to sell low-carbon ethanol into the California market under the low-carbon fuel standard. In addition, Jivo expects to deploy a 1 million gallon per year hydrocarbon plant at the Laverne facility that will produce renewable jet fuel and iso-octane to be sold into California and European markets. The 1 million gallon per year hydrocarbon plant should not only generate attractive positive cash flow, but should produce products that help to establish supply chains that could in the future accommodate quantities that are orders of magnitude greater. The initial decarbonization projects, wind and renewable natural gas for the Laverne facility are expected to set the stage for significant growth at the Laverne facility. 
timeline for the 1 million gallon per year hydrocarbon plant coming online is expected to be about 12 months after Jivo has secured financing to pay for this project. Jivo expects one or more of its renewable natural gas projects that are under development to come online by the end of 2020 or early 2021, adding to its EBITDA in 2021. In parallel, Jivo is working to secure the customer optic agreements and financing to accomplish the growth plans for the Laverne facility. This phase of growth is expected to initially result in about 10 to 30 million gallons per year of iso-octane and jet fuel, and if successful, would be expected to generate revenues of over 100 million to 200 million per year. The third and final story today involves Kanye West and his desire to reduce the carbon footprint associated with producing his Yeezy line of sneakers. Last week at the Fast Company Innovation Festival, Kanye West and designer Stephen Smith introduced a pond-sourced algae-based Yeezy foam runner shoe. These new Yeezy foam runners were manufactured in Atlanta from a combination of petroleum-based ethylene vinyl acetate and foam produced from pond-sourced algae. Kanye has said that he plans to move his entire Yeezy headquarters to a recently purchased 4,000 square foot ranch in Wyoming. The algae-based Yeezy foam runners bear resemblance to Crocs, and Kanye has said they are looking in environmentally friendly dyes. The shoes will be available in khaki and white colors in 2020 and will retail for 